she came to me and said, Galena, don't you want to be promoted? And I said, yes, of course I do. But I'm assuming my boss is going to at some point recognize the work I've been doing and they would promote me. <laughs> she gave me the look, you know, that look that says, are you nuts? <laughs> If we want something, you gotta go get it. You have to go talk to our boss, figure out what you need to do to get it. And that's how you get promoted in America. Welcome to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores exceptional career success stories, inspiring and insightful personal brand journeys that answer the question, are you coffee or are you Starbucks? Fascinating conversations with leaders about their career breakthroughs from entertainment, tech, media, and more. You'll learn how they've turned up the volume on their brand to unlock success. Firsthand, uncensored, and real, as told by people who've been there and plenty of inspiration and practical tools to help you lead with your brand every day as you drive towards your next career breakthrough. And now, here's your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Hey everybody, Jason Patria here, and you are listening to the Lead With Your Brand podcast, which is the podcast for folks just like you who are looking to turn up the volume, show your value, and lead with your brand to your next career breakthrough. Well, guess what? We are in week two of 2023, and we are celebrating the new year with our Lead With Your Brand New Year Challenge. So make sure that you go to leadwithyourbrand.com slash new year so that you can participate with all of your tip sheets. Now, we have an amazing guest today with an even more amazing story. It is Galena Cherney, leadership coach and author of the brand new book, The Last Train to Freedom. But before we get to Galena, I want to talk about step two of the Lead With Your Brand New Year Challenge, which is all about knowing what you stand for today. Now, last week, you know, we looked at step one, which was all about defining your career audience. Well, step two is now looking at you because people come up to me all of the time and they are saying, Jason, you know what? I want help. I want coaching on my brand because I want to be like Oprah Winfrey or I want to be like Sheryl Sandberg or I want to be like Bill Gates. And you know what I say to them? You ain't Oprah and you're never gonna be her. Now, here's the thing. You don't want to be somebody else. No, no, no. Instead, you want to be you and be the best you you can be. Because quite simply, we can smell inauthenticity from a mile away and it reeks. So we don't want to build our brand by looking at other people and trying to project and trying to be and trying to copy them. No, you want to start with authentically who 
you are. In fact, as I look over the past three seasons of the Lead With Your Brand podcast, authenticity is the number one thing that our executives and successful leaders talk about. Now, all we need to do is look out into the business world to see where inauthentic branding has gotten people into a little bit of trouble. Now, many of you know that for years, I was the internal consultant for the fabulous team over at Bravo when they were first launching amazing shows like Top Chef and The Real Housewives. Well, one of their biggest competitors was the Lifetime TV Network. Now, of course, we all know Lifetime because we grew up watching it on basic cable. It was the home where we always turned on the Golden Girls. Well, guess what? Way back in that mid-2000s, the Lifetime Network was saying, hey, we want to be just like Bravo. And they did a huge rebranding. And you know what? We talked last week about Bravo knowing that their audience was like the Wills and Graces and the PTA trendsetters. Well, in fact, Lifetime tried to be so much like Bravo that they gave up their syndicated rights or exclusivity on those syndicated rights to the Golden Girls and then actually went out and acquired the syndicated reruns of Will and Grace because they wanted to be just like Bravo and they tried to make their graphics all sexy and everything. Well, guess what? It imploded because they were trying to be something they weren't and their core audience that loved all of those Lifetime movies suddenly couldn't find anything that they wanted and their brand was turning those viewers away. It was a huge failure. Let's look out into retail. About 20 years ago, JCPenney's did the exact same thing. They looked around and said, you know what? We want to be cool. We want to be like Target. And we want to be, you know, if we thought of ourselves as a boutique retailer, we want to be like Jonathan Adler. And so they transformed themselves and called themselves JCP and brought in all of these high-end boutiques within their stores. And they canceled their circular and all of their coupons. Well, guess what? The fans, the super fans of JCPenney said, I don't know what JCP is and where's my coupons and, and, and I don't shop for this type of stuff. So it was a huge brand failure. In fact, at the time, it was considered one of the biggest branding rebrand failures of all time in the retail space. So don't try and be something you're not. Instead, let's take an inventory and take stock at who you truly are. So how do you do this? You always hear me ask people at the end of every podcast episode, if you were a type of car, what type of car would you be? Well, I'm asking you that. And if you go to the leadwithyourbrand.com slash new year site, you can download our week number two worksheet that will walk you through this. So when I think of the type of car I am, I think of myself as a Jeep Wrangler because I'm obsessed with Jeep Wranglers. But you're probably thinking, well, Jason, you don't seem too outdoorsy or four-wheel drive. And guess what? I'm not. Because I am like a Jeep Wrangler from that movie Clueless with Alicia Silverstone running and driving all over Beverly Hills and Bel Air honking her horn. Because you know what? I'm the type of Jeep that is fun and sassy and fast and a little bit showy, right? Those are all those different types of words that describe me. So I'm going to capture those 
as authentically Jason. But you know what? Remember we said last week, your brand really isn't just about you. It's about others. So I want you to do something called the 10 by 3. I want you to go out and ask 10 friends, 10 colleagues, or even 10 contacts, and just ask them for three words. Ask them, when you think of me at my best, what are three words or adjectives that you would use to describe me? Now, you can shoot them that over Slack or email or text, and I want you to collapse and bring together all of those words. If you ask 10 people, you should have 30 words plus all of the words that you came up with for yourself. I want you to group those together because within those words, you are going to find your brand attribute tailwinds. These are the things that help you go faster with more efficiency and help you get to that end destination with less effort. You are going to create clusters of words and you're going to come up with four to eight of those clusters that become your brand attribute tailwind words. This becomes ultimately your word bank of the way that you describe yourself. Now, when you create those clusters, you're going to look for those words that are synonyms or similarities, those themes that you heard from your career audience. Now, make sure to go to leadwithyourbrand.com slash new year where you can download that worksheet. Well, let's get into our episode for today. I have a fabulous guest. It is Galena Cherney, who is a leadership coach and the author of the brand new book, The Last Train to Freedom. Now, Galena was born and raised in the capital of Soviet Ukraine, Kiev. In 1979, she immigrated to the United States as a Jewish refugee with her husband and her three-year-old son. She was only 26 at the time. Now, she began her professional journey in Los Angeles, where the family settled upon arrival. She started as a simple clerk with very limited English proficiency. She later became a computer programmer and ultimately ascended into the leadership and executive ranks in technology groups, in fact, over at Universal Studios, where we met. Now, most recently, she's become a transformational leadership coach, founding her own boutique firm, The Cherney Group. Galena is a passionate storyteller whose childhood dream of becoming a writer recently materialized with her memoir, The Last Train to Freedom. We'll be back in just a few moments with Galena Chernier. For over 25 years, Jason has coached, trained, and developed thousands of leaders and executives, helping them achieve their next career breakthrough. He's a featured speaker at global conferences and companies to help everyone bring their best authentic self to work, show their value, and lead with their brand every day. Get more tips and tools at leadwithyourbrand.com. And we are back. I have a fabulous guest, an old colleague, Galena Cherney on the show. Galena, what's going on? Hi, Jason. Thank you very much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. I'm in awe of the work you are doing. Oh, stop. Yes, yes, that is very true. So happy and excited to be here. Thank you for uh, bringing me on. Well, of course. Uh, in the last three years, yeah, my you know life has changed uh, pretty drastically. 
I completed my tenure uh, in my corporate career, which was amazing. I'm grateful for all the years there. Yeah. And I turned into a leadership coach. So I have clients in the industry and uh, working with people in various levels uh, in their career and then just helping people understand and see their own brilliance. You know, we often need somebody to point to, well, you have made it so far. Why do you think right now all of a sudden you don't know what's happening to you? So, you know, that's what a coach is, right? It's somebody who can show you your own brilliance. And then... I just published my first book. <laughs> so Yes. Yes. And and so Galena, I want to talk a little bit about your book because it feels that your memoir, The Last Train to Freedom, really kind of at its heart, it it's so much about who you are and has informed right the career, the work you've done, and and everything that's led up to this point. So tell us a little bit about your new book. So Last Train to Freedom is my story that takes place from um, the time when my husband and I decided to leave the Soviet Union uh, as Jewish refugees. And it takes us through the journey from there to the United States and the life that we built here. So sounds like a story of millions of others who have made similar journeys. And I think Partly that's why that resonates with people. I I hear a lot from my readers who say, oh, I'm married to somebody with an immigrant background. I had no idea that those are the things that people go through to come to America. Also, people who are second and third generation, so who never heard their family story, even though my story is sort of my own, but the, the journey, the struggles, um, being a citizen of the communist country um, and a Jew in the communist country is uh, is really something <laughs> something to sort of wrap your head, head around right now with Ukraine and Russia being in the center of the world stage. People hear and understand more and try to learn more. But when these two countries were one and the common enemy was a Jew, Jewish people were hated by both, that perspective just never made it out to the world. And so lucky for my husband and I and our three-year-old son at the time that we were one of the 30,000, I think, that managed to leave the Soviet Union during that late period in the late, in the, uh, that period in the late 70s. Wow. So we traveled through um, three European countries. Uh, it took us about three and a half months to make it to the United States with all these sort of permissions that we had to wait for on the road. Um, to freedom, and then you come here, and you're like, "Oh, they didn't even speak Russian here. What do you do?" <laughs> <laughs> not, not, not that that would you know was a surprise, but they really didn't speak Russian here. So learning the language and kind of going through building a new life, and and that's what the story is about. 
It's also a, life sto- a love story, you know, of, of my personal life. It's also a gratitude story to America. Uh, the gratitude that I have for this country it cannot be measured and cannot be spoken in words. And so these are the things that um, I highlighted in the book, right? So it's also a story about, you know, struggles and perseverance and families and uh, all that that we all experience in, in our lives. And I think that's why the book is beginning to resonate with the readers. Yeah. Yeah. And Galena, talk to me a little bit, you know, when you and your husband were making this really tough choice, what what was that moment that the two of you were like, this is right for our family. We we have to leave. Like, what? T- tell me a little bit about that process. Oh, man, that's a that's a s- interesting story. I I love that story because there was no thinking for me. Uh, when I met John, I was 21, and he had already prepared all of the paperwork to apply. Like, you have to apply to leave. You can't just leave, right? Yeah. They hate you because you're a Jew living in the country, but they, they won't, won't let you go. So when John and I met, he had no intention of getting married. His only intention was to leave the country. He's had this plan since he was a 13-year-old boy. And we meet, and three months later, he's telling me of his plan to leave the Soviet Union and asking me to come with him as his wife. Mm. And I said, yes. (laughs) My brain went bunkers, right? I was raised by two communist parents. My parents were very, very patriotic. My my father spent his life in in military and here I am, you know, sitting on a bench with my soon-to-be husband and saying, Yes, yes, we are I am with you. I'm going. Just don't tell my parents. Oh no. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, he obviously did not think the plan was good not to say anything to my parents, but somehow I talked him into doing so. Because if we did tell my parents, they would not permit me to get married. They would not let us go. So we got married, and it wasn't until five years later when I finally got the courage to step up and, um, you know, tell my parents we're leaving, and we started, begin the process. And the process, we'll take a book <laughs> to describe with all the intricacies and the details. Yeah, But that's what, so it was a moment when I said yes, because I just wanted to be married to this man. And then it was a moment five years later where I actually recognized the fact that we have to go. I had to go to save my family and I had to go so that my son wouldn't be called into a Russian Soviet army and all the other reasons by then became so vivid to me. Yeah. And so you said you came to the United States. You don't speak the language. So how did you start over? I mean, I mean, you you have spent an entire career in the the corporate space and and now now in coaching, but you came here really not not even having a command of the English language. So how did you get started and how did you even join the workforce? Uh, not having command is a very nice way of putting it. <laughs> But, you know, 
I had a few basic phrases. I could say, you know, I live here and here, and I'm from the Soviet Union, and very, very few basic uh, phrases that you can learn from an English teacher who never spoken to a person, a native English speaking person. So it's, you know, that that was the the, the skill set. So we were supported for the first three months by the Jewish Family Service, and um, they helped us to pay rent because our finances were $90 a person. So it was the three of us, three pieces of luggage, and $90 a person to start our life. So for the first three months that uh, we got a little bit of help, we started going to school, although John immediately found work, knocked on every door in town and just said, yeah, 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 I know how this works. I can do that. And then he was working at a machine shop where, you know, nobody else spoke English. So he just kind of did what everybody else did. I studied for a little bit longer. If three months is a long time to, to study English, but then I was... <laughs> I got a clerical job uh, at an escrow company. I didn't know what an escrow company was. <laughs> I didn't know. There was, you know, the economy, the world, everything was different. There was no escrow company. I didn't know how to write a check. I didn't know how the banking system worked. So those are the skills that I began to learn uh, as I worked as a clerk. I learned how to do banking. I learned how to write a check, how to post a check. You actually had to take checks to the bank at the time. And um, that was first couple of years. Then we decided to have a baby in the midst of all this because I wanted to have a larger family. I didn't want my son to feel lonely in a country where he lives. So we had our second child, uh, second son, um, and by then, John decided to take um, uh, computer computer classes as a programming classes. Um, yeah. And so he started school, and somehow he had a hunch. I don't know what it was, but he would come home and say, you have to do this. You would love this. You have to do this. And that's a story that we often tell at a you know, family gatherings. I had no clue. I didn't know what programming was. I, I so to, in my mind, it was math. I don't want to do math. I, you know, that's not me. <laughs> I like people. I like working with people. I, you know, this is, he just said, go. So, you know, we swapped the kids at night and I went to uh, a six months program uh, that um, allowed me to learn some basic, basic, very basic programming skills. As you can imagine, people now have to have for your degrees to even walk into anybody's door, right, to, to do any kind of programming. But I did that. And lucky, I just feel that, I don't know, stars were aligned. Um, this agent called me and uh, she, She's still, she's still working. She's still there. Her office was in Century City. She um, got me an interview at a company, retail company. It's a retail chain that you probably have not heard anything about. Called used to be called Bullocks, Bullocks Department Stores. I love Bullocks. I grew up around the corner from Bullocks Pasadena, oh which is goodness. now a Macy's. Bullocks Pasadena, Bullocks Wilshire. 
And here I am taking technical tests yeah. to get into uh, this company that I knew nothing about. I didn't understand retail. There was so it's just you know it's literally Mars and Venus, and one doesn't know anything about another. <laughs> so everything was new. It is to me still the biggest mystery how I got that job. I I've learned later that I was competing with 40 other people whose English was perfect. Wow. So I don't know what they saw, but I guess here comes lesson number one of anybody's career, right? Don't make any kind of predictions based on what you think where you fit, right? If, if there is an interview and they are interested go because you don't know who they're looking for and why so barely any english basic 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 and here i am (laughs) computer programmer so that's where it all started and then fast forward we of course met each other when we were both working at nbc universal and you were leading big technology teams so how did you go from you know uh programming in those early retail days of of software and point of service sales to being part of a huge media organization running technology teams? Uh, I would say two things, right? Two things that come to mind. I got this incredible life-changing advice as in a casual conversation with a friend when I still worked at Bullock's. She recently was promoted uh, to a a project manager. Those were big, big things happening at that time. She came to me and said, Galena, don't you want to be promoted? And I said, yes, of course I do. But I'm assuming my boss is going to at some point recognize the work I've been doing and they would promote me. (laughs) She gave me the look, you know, that look that says, are you nuts? (laughs) (laughs) If we want something, you got to go get it. You have to go talk to our boss, figure out what you need to do to get it. And that's how you get promoted in America. (laughs) (laughs) Best career advice I've ever gotten. And I didn't know it at the time. Yeah. But that's exactly how it works. And so, so talk to me, how did you, how did you move from there into working in, in big corporations and in leadership roles? Okay. So staying at the company for five years, I don't know why I would have ever left because, you know, I was still new to the country. I still felt like, you know, fresh of the boat type of like, I was so lucky they gave me a job. They always probably would have stayed forever. But so goes that, as, as you know, since you loved Bullock Solskjaer so much, that they were bought by federated department stores, yeah. right? So Macy's, and then there is this rumor of a takeover and merger and job loss, and I freaked out. I got so worried that I was going to lose this job, and there will be 50 programmers walking around Los Angeles looking for programming jobs, and I will not be able to get one. So when a recruiter called me and offered me um, a interview, an interview at Security Pacific, uh, Security Pacific Bank, I jumped on it and I took the job that they gave me. 
Well, long and behold, six months into the job, Bank of America is buying Security Pacific Bank. <laughs> and so from there, um, I was offered a job at Paramount, which was bought by Viacom. Then Columbia Pictures, that became Sony. I quickly started, not so quickly, but I began getting a message. Change is going to happen no matter where you work. So your fear <laughs> is not your best partner when these things occur. Yeah. So, so when I moved to Universal Studios at the time, it was owned by Seagram. And then it was owned by the French. And then it was owned by <laughs> GE. And then it was owned by... I was... My attitude was, okay, that's what happens. And so I, I stayed because I felt like every two, three years I was working for a different company, which I was. <laughs> I know. I think in the 25 years I was there, I think there were 10 owners. So I even had more before you. Right. Absolutely. So you know exactly what I'm talking about. And so I learned to be okay with these changes and fluctuate. And the big lesson for me was, you know, when new owner comes in, they declare the current state of, of events, uh, you know, below the standard and everybody's sort of stupid and nobody's doing things right. And here we are, we're going to change the world. We're going to make it all perfect. And I learned to be okay with that because mm. I realized that if I don't know if I, if I was the new owner, I don't know that I would have been saying that people were doing things wrong and, and stupid and all of that, but I would want to bring in my own strategy. I would mm. want to be surrounding myself with people who support my strategy and support my way of looking at the company and what it needs to become. So it stopped being personal with me. Like it's not my company. This is a new owner. They have an agenda. Clearly they have a strategy they want to implement. And if I want to help them, I stay. If I don't, I go. Yeah. Yeah. And and so Galena, talk to me. After all of these years working in the corporate space, you decide to launch your own uh, consultancy in the boutique coaching space. So what made you comfortable making that leap? Right. A couple of things. I felt like I don't know if I was done is a good is a good way <laughs> of saying this, but <laughs> As you know, Jason, right, we worked together and, and you mentioned the, the large initiatives, large technology projects and programs and, uh, you know, working with worldwide international teams and all of that. And I began to feel that all I can do where I was is more of the same. And I was in a period of my life where I could make a decision to step away. So that's, that's what drove my decision. And I knew I wanted to write the book. And I knew I wanted to use what I used in a corporate world 
as part of my life, um, you know, coaching and mentoring, as you know, it's a huge, big part of leadership. Um, and it was for me, I wanted to use that as sort of my whole view of life, right? My, my whole thing. And let somebody else do the projects and the technology that I have already done. I know technology changes, but the principles really don't, right? It's complex. Mm. You have to build relationships. You have to have consensus. You have to have business support. All of these things are, if not there, make your technology programs impossible to implement. So I wanted to turn my attention to the part of my role and my job in leadership that I love the most. It's personal, intimate, working with people. Mm, very cool. And so, Galena, talk to me a little bit about your brand. Your brand as an executive, your brand as a leader, your brand as a coach. What are three words that you would use to describe brand Galena? So, first of all, I want to say that Galena is my brand. (laughs) 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 Right? So, that's how I uh, feel about what a brand is. It's not what we do. It's who we are. Mm. So, in my case, I want to say, you know, wise. I can say that from where I... uh, sit in life. Yeah. Um, I want to say authentic Mm. as a big, huge part of of what my brand is and um, trustworthy. Mm. So wise, authentic, and trustworthy. Talk to me a little bit about authenticity because I know leaders talk about that all of the time. What does it mean for you to be authentically Galena? Okay. Um, Tell you a story. (laughs) I was still living in the Soviet Union last year of high school and the entire class of 30-some kids decided to walk out on an English class. They viewed the teacher as too harsh, too tough, and mean. Well, I have a very different perception and different belief of who that teacher was. I felt she was tough, but I also felt she was fair. You could Mm. be the best student on the planet, but if you show up in class and you're not ready, she's not going to pass you. Yeah, You will answer every day is a new day. So you show up, you answer, and that's how you grade it. So I, my friends knew that's how I felt about the teacher. And I did not walk out. I told them I'm not going. And I told them why. And it was me and three other students who stayed in class. Mm. So imagine a teacher walking in the door expecting 30 plus students and then finding four. Um, she was, she was taken aback, but recovered quickly. And she led the class as if nothing happened. Um, I didn't think anything about authenticity at the time, but looking back on that, I think that is what authentic is. 
right? You don't follow the crowd out of fear or out of fear of losing friends, out of fear of not being understood. You stand your ground for things you believe in. Mm. Yeah. As a 16-year-old, I think it would have been easy for me to just walk out. We had two months of school left. Who cares, right? Soviet kids are the same as American kids. This is it. We're done. Uh, but it was a decision that I made, and I felt that authenticity is is probably was probably in me, um, you know, from early from the early age. Yeah, and talk to me a little bit about being wise and trustworthy, right? I know those those feel like they're just basics but it feels like big uh, words <laughs> <laughs> but it does feel like you know in 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 business those things are not always there so how have you brought those forward in your career as a leader and uh, and and maybe how do you coach other people around those elements right well the the one thing we touched on was um the constant change of the environment you work in, right? And some of the things that, that scares people. You have a change in leadership. Your boss leaves and people get scared. It's, it's a fear that sometimes paralyzes them to a, a pretty deep extent. What I realized I could do is help people through these transitions. And, and, and one of the ways that I, I did this consistently is I got people together, I got people in the room, and we talked about changes in our lives. Forget the corporate world. Forget, obviously, it has to do with paycheck and all of that, right? So it's, it's maybe a little bit deeper than other things that are in our life. Um, that are changing consistently. And we talked about, listen, you wake up in the morning, you think you're taking your kid to school, but the kid has a fever, unexpected, and somehow you figure out how to deal with it. Your Mm. car broke down, you figure out how to deal with it. Your mother got sick, you need to go visit her, you need to figure out care. And somehow we know, we don't panic, most of us, we don't panic, we sit down for a second and think, okay, what do I do? Who do I call? How do I figure this out? And we do. When it comes to these corporate job-related changes, people tend to forget that they already know how to manage change. Yeah. And so, Galena, talk to me about all of these changes, right? And that's like, feels like a constant since you've come to the United States, right? Is how have you maintained having, you know, a strong professional brand through all of these changes? Because it strikes me that so many of our listeners are at a point that they're moving to new companies because there's tons of downsizing in technology and mergers and acquisitions seem to be, you know, everywhere we everywhere we look. What are some things that you did to kind of show up with confidence and, uh, and on brand when for you it was like every two years, here's a new owner? Right, um couple of things come to mind. I had 
learned again this is all right it's learned by experience we sometimes sometimes it's intuitive sometimes we learn um and i give you maybe another example a story when i first started um with universal i started at universal pictures i had a boss i had a business leader we were embarking on this huge project and then my boss leaves, a business leader leaves, and the project becomes mine. And the new business leader, who I probably is most respected person by me in, in, in the executive world and just in human human world, we sort of look at each other. He doesn't know me. I, I don't know. He doesn't know if I have an agenda that doesn't fit the project. I don't know him, but he is my agenda. So I showed that to him. So, so I don't know how maybe the, the way to say it is I put all the cards on the table, right? I, yeah. I told him, I told him what I know about the project. I told him what I think about where things are. I told him that this is not my project. This is a business's project and I'm here to work with him to make it happen. And so from that moment, we became partners. So that sort of open uh, way of communicating, openness and in, 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 uh, transparency, we often talk about that, right? But what does it mean? Be transparent, be transparent. What does it mean exactly? Yeah. But you have to step up into, if you're in technology, being a partner. Technologists don't necessarily own technology. We build it for the end user, for the public, for business partners. So that perspective, I think, is important. Why are we doing this, right? Who needs this? Who is asking for it? And so with each new owner, so you're looping back to answer your question, I knew my job was to bring up the best of what was there and then take things to the, the, the direction that the new ownership wants. Mm. Exactly. So I have a couple of fun questions for you, Galena, as we, we close out. We were talking about your brand, your brand as Galena. Um, but what is your favorite brand as a consumer? What can't you live without? Louis Vuitton. <laughs> ah, and why do you love LV? This is um, bags in general, my thing. Bags and shoes. <laughs> and if you talk to... If you talk to um, people that I worked with, that's what they would say. <laughs> Interestingly enough, you obviously, you know, Jason, the, the leadership team that I was a part of. Um, it was primarily men. And walking into the room, the person sitting next to me knew that I needed a chair to put my bag on. <laughs> my bag did not belong on the floor. <laughs> Um, now, Galena, if you were a type of car, what type of car would you be and why? Uh, Tesla. Ooh, and how are you like a Tesla? Have a mind of my own. 
<laughs> oh, that's a good one. And finally, Galena, what's the best career advice that you'd like to pass on to our listeners? The best career advice is a couple of things, if I may. So one, we talked a little bit about go for it, right? Go for an interview if you are interested in a job, not when you check all the boxes that you have all the qualifications. Mm. This is your responsibility. You're in in the driver's seat. So go for that job. Yes. Number one. Number two, ask. Ask for the tough assignment, the next assignment, the the next opportunity. You need to let people around you know what it is that you want to do, how you want your career to unfold. And third one, probably the most important one, get a life. Yes, have a life outside of your career, whatever that life is. Don't put all of you into that desire to climb the ladder because it's actually not a ladder if you think about it, right? It's more like you build a building brick by brick. Yeah. Sometimes bricks go up, sometimes they go sideways, sometimes they go down. So there is no climbing. So have your life full and have your career be a part of it, whatever significance it needs to take during different um, life steps, right? Sometimes it may take a a seat back. Sometimes it will pull forward, but have a full life. I think that's, probably the biggest career advice exactly and well galena it sounds like you have lived a full life and i can't wait to tear into your uh full memoir the last train to freedom tell our listeners where can they pick up the book the book is on amazon um last train to freedom you can find it by searching by my name galena cherney you can take a look at my website, galinacherny.com. As I said, my brand is my name. There is a little bit more about the author, a little bit more about the book, and you can purchase your book from there. I'm also on LinkedIn. You will probably find me there with Galena Cherney. Well, Galena, it was so great to reconnect. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you, Jason. It's been wonderful. When you said it was going to be a fun conversation, I didn't realize how fun it was going to be. (laughs) I love you dearly. And, uh, you know, speaking of brand, this is how you showed up, right, for every training session, for every conversation. And I truly, truly enjoyed talking to you today. Oh, thank you, Galena. It was great seeing you again. And we'll be back in just a few moments with my final thoughts. Are you tired of not being recognized for your work? Are you ready to rise above the rest and accelerate to the next level? The Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program will help you take control of your career, develop your own unique brand, and catapult you to a whole new level of success. You are a top performer, and the Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program is what you need to get you there. 
Visit leadwithyourbrand.com to learn how. Wow, what an amazing conversation with leadership coach and author of the book, The Last Train to Freedom, Galena Cherney. You know, Galena shared so many great leadership tips and advice, and quite frankly, her entire story of coming to the United States is so inspiring. What really stood out for me from Galena was this whole notion of you gotta put yourself out there. And now that we're in this brand new year, you've got to put yourself out there. The environment is changing, but this is still a great year to meet your next career breakthrough. So put yourself out there. Don't limit yourself with those self-limiting beliefs. Apply for that job. Talk to your manager about that stretch assignment or that thing you've really wanted to do, because you know what? The worst that can happen is that they say no. But the best that can happen is that you get to expand your toolkit, your skills, and more importantly, your career. Now, make sure that you're visiting us at leadwithyourbrand.com slash new year so you can download our first two steps to the Lead With Your Brand New Year Challenge. Last week's step one was all about defining your career audience, and you can get your worksheet there. And this week, we are talking all about knowing who you are authentically. We'll be back next week when we look at step number three, which is about refining who you want to be, where we are going to help you supersize and amplify and turn up the volume on your authentic self. Now, if you loved what you heard today, make sure that you are following us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and check me out on social media. I'm at Jason Patria on all platforms. Most importantly, in your career, please promise me, don't be that boring old commodity like coffee. Make sure that you are a super premium brand like Starbucks. You've been listening to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores and uncovers exceptional career success stories and inspiring personal brand journeys with your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Remember to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit us at leadwithyourbrand.com.